the jury. The prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Today is Wednesday, January 6, 2016. Coming to you live from Northwest Pennsylvania, here in the Arctic, as it has turned very cold and icy up here, as the rest of the Northeast. Um, tonight's program is going to be brought to you by Nuts.com. Uh, Nuts.com is a fantastic company. Uh, you can get um, a whole different variety of not only just nuts, but all kinds of other snacks that are healthy, nutritious, and just fantastic. And, and they do it in a fun way. Uh, we showed the uh, box on on the YouTube videos, um, <clears throat> the varieties of nuts they have, and the tastes are just outstanding. And we'll <clears throat> excuse me, we'll get into more on that later. We have an very important spiritually uh, needed show tonight with both Steve Quayle and Pastor Langford. <clears throat> now, um, I know that a lot of people have been emailing us and asking uh, questions about uh, Renee's health as information and news came out that she had an episode today. People thought it was a heart attack. Thankfully, it was not a heart attack. But we do not know what what's going on. <clears throat> um, my father is not here tonight, as he is with her, as uh, you would expect. And sorry for me being out of breath uh, right before we went on air, uh, rushing around trying to find a phone number, and just uh, I don't know too much going on uh, before the show. Unorganization on my part, and this is what happens. But we're here. We're ready to go. And Renee wanted me to uh, make sure I said thank you to all the people out there who have been praying and who are concerned. <clears throat> but we will keep you guys updated as we find out ourselves. And um, it was, you know, very concerning at first, but she is home, and I talked to her today. She seems okay. Still in a little bit of pain, and we ask that you continue to pray for her health and the recovery. <clears throat> now, tonight's show, Fear of the Lord and Famine in the Land, with Pastor David Langford from Voice of Evangelism and Steve Quill from stevequill.com. Uh, both these gentlemen are live with us now, and I'm going to turn it over to you, Steve. Welcome. Well, um, Joe, uh, what a delight, and I thank God that Renee is well. I received the email <laughs> from your dad today. At about, I think, 6.30 my time, or just a little after 4.30 your time. And he said, uh, you know, at first that she had thought it was a heart attack, and that's what I posted. So I want to thank everybody around the world who rallied to pray for this night, because this night is going to be different. And I'm going to turn it immediately over to David, and then we'll go as the Spirit always leads us, because we have to open with prayer. The 
is so much coming against us, there is so much coming at us, it's coming from without and within, and I think people, Joe, just don't have uh, the right understanding of Scripture, because the Bible talks about not just a famine for food, but as I can, I, as I can share, and David will share, whenever there's a famine for the Word of God, whenever the people of light, and I'm not talking New Age, I'm talking God's light, in the beginning that God created the world said, let there be light. I'm talking and that light is Jesus Christ. The point being is we've got to recognize the darkness that is now upon the land. So David, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you. You take where you want to go. Turn it back when you're ready. Thank you so very much, Steve, and thank you, Joe, for the opportunity. And before we even begin tonight, it's imperative that we pray. Uh, this is one of the issues, regretfully, that is so neglected in the church today. Uh, people will spend six hours on the Internet, six hours gossiping, disseminating information, and they won't spend six minutes in prayer. That's the whole problem. That's why we're where we are. That's why the Bible said in Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding, but in all of thy ways acknowledge the Lord. He will direct your path. If you do not pray and acknowledge God, you ultimately have no direction. You're just doing what you want to do at any whim or any caprice. And I've often said this, and will say it again before I pray, carnality only produces more carnage. Anything that is ever done in the flesh brings more refuse, more corruption, more carnage, more death, more ruin, and more decay. And God hates the flesh. I'll tell you how bad God hates the flesh. I know this is Old Testament, but I want you to understand how much God hates the flesh because the flesh is a stench in his nostrils. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 26, he was admonishing, telling Moses how to build the brazen altar. The brazen altar was a large altar that could not be serviced just from the ground, so they had to have a way to get up to the top of the altar. God forbade the priests to go up to the altar by steps. They had to go up the up to the altar by a ramp. Exodus 20, verse 26. Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. Because the priest wore a garment, and if he was taking steps, his garment would be raised up with his knee pulling the garment up, and the flesh of his ankles could be seen. And God would not suffer that to make the sacrifice, so he said, you must build a ramp so that when you do raise your knees up, they're not brought to the level that the ankle flesh is made manifest. Now that's that's holiness before God, if, if I need to say so. But that's, that's how much God abhors the flesh. He didn't want to see the ankles of the priest as they would go up to the altar. So he said, don't go up by steps. You, you're going to have to build a ramp. I don't want to see that. But let's pray tonight. Before we begin, 
and ask God to give wisdom, to give understanding, to give people ears to hear. I don't want people to hear what I have to say. I want people to hear what God has to say. Revelation 2, 7, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the church. The Spirit of God will speak tonight. The question is very simple. Do you have ears to hear what the Spirit of God has to say? Heavenly Father, we begin by humbling ourselves under your mighty hand. I lift up Renee tonight. I ask that you would pour oil and wine into her body, into her spirit. Yes, Lord. And I rebuke this stress. Lord, all the clamor, all the evil speaking brings stress into the human body. And once the body becomes stressed and distressed, it begins to malfunction. Things go awry, and then there are aberrations to be dealt with. I pray tonight that you would send your word. You would bring healing virtue and touch her body. I pray for Doug that you would lessen and you would mitigate his burden as well. You admonished us in your word to cast our care, to cast our burden upon you, for you care for us. Lord, I know that you love us. I know that you love us unconditionally. But we have the power to grieve your Holy Spirit. We have the power to resist the Holy Spirit. We have the power to quench the Holy Spirit. But I pray tonight, Lord, that everything that is said would be received in the Spirit of Christ and in the love of God. Put a watch by my mouth. Put a watch by Steve's mouth. Put a watch by Joe's mouth. That we do nothing that would be harmful or detrimental to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, there's already enough damage that's been done. We pray tonight that you would bring healing to the body. For you're the head, and the church is your body. I just pray that the oil would begin to flow from the head all the way down to the little toe, that everyone would be touched in some capacity, that eyes would be opened and ears would be unstopped, and that clarity, understanding, and that profound wisdom will be presented tonight, and that accuracy in your word and in your spirit would be declared above all things, Lord. Keep us now in the hollow of your hand, Father, and we'll give you praise for it all. For in Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen and amen. Amen. I want to begin in Colossians chapter 3, verse 25. But he that doeth wrong shall receive the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. Colossians 4, verse 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that, be, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. One of the greatest issues in the body of Christ is that people never bother to listen to God, and rather than getting counsel from God, man's nature is to turn to another man, or another sister, or to another brother, and ask for advice. Now that's good. We're told in Psalms 1, 2, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, 
nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. So we're not to get advice, especially from the ungodly. But before we even seek the counsel of men, it is so important that we seek the counsel of God. He says in Proverb 1, 25, You have said it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. When you are shallow in the word of God, you don't understand God's reproof, neither do you understand God's rebuke. You see, when you have a balanced dietary program of the word of God from Genesis 1 and 1 to Revelation 22, 21, and you know the fundamentals of Christianity, then you're very, very careful in how you deal with matters. Having been a pastor for 27 years, there are times that I had to deal with things that were so detrimental to the church, I knew if I made the wrong statement, if I made the wrong decision, if I did the wrong thing, I could obliterate the church. Men that have never pastored congregations don't understand that. Uh, when I resigned my church back in 2012, I was going to pick up the title that I had before, pastor, as an evangelist. Just call me Evangelist David Lankford. And I was astounded at the emails and the letters asking me, please do not do that. Would you please retain the title pastor? You're my pastor. You're my advisor. I look to you to give me strength. I look to you to admonish me. I look for you to help me to navigate through difficulties. So I just went back to calling myself Pastor Langford for the sake of the people because I'm a pastor and I have a care for sheep. They are the sheep of his pasture. It's my job to pasture the flock and to lead the flock to green pastures, lead the flock to still waters. Regretfully, the ground recently has been scorched. There's not much green grass. And the waters are tempestuous, and there's not very much still water. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 12, and I'll spend a lot of time in the book of Proverbs tonight because it is a book of wisdom. And it's evident that many today in the church have no wisdom. Not only do they not have any wisdom, they don't pray for the gift of wisdom. There are nine gifts of the Spirit, two are wisdom, the other is knowledge. Wisdom is the ability to execute your knowledge correctly. A lot of people have knowledge, but regretfully they're stupid because they don't have any wisdom. There are people that are far uh, knowledgeable than myself have great and vast educations, vocabularies, etc., etc., but they have no wisdom to communicate that to the people, so they, even though they have this vast knowledge, they appear stupid all the time in the sense of the way they handle things, which turns out to be nothing but sheer folly. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 12, Before destruction, the heart of man is holy, and before honor... Is humility. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. So if you don't know a matter in its totality, if you don't know all of the details, and all you hear is what he said, she said, they said, 
you don't have all the facts. It's a, a great aberration in a court of law when the plaintiff and the defendant do not have the same information. The judge gets very upset when someone has sequestered and kept back a portion of information and not allowed the other party to have that information. That's called corruption. That's called vileness. That's called wickedness. That's called criminality. Why do people do that? Because they want to harm, they want to injure, and not suffer everyone to know the facts. Now, since this issue has arisen over the last several weeks, I have been castigated to no end. I have been told I was a proudful man because I did not castigate, criticize, or impinge one man and stand with the other man. Well, the reason I didn't make any comments, I wanted to wait till I heard the matter in its entirety. Because he that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. I can say unequivocally tonight, I have absolutely no shame. I have absolutely no disgrace. Neither do I have any dishonor in my personal life, and I have maintained my integrity. David said, my integrity hath preserved me. You see, you can talk a lot of talk, but when it comes to walking the walk, that's where the separation takes place. There are a lot of people who say they're this and they say they're that. They will say to Christ, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? And he will say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I know you not. When you read that passage, the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew, you must read it very concisely and very clearly and understand what's being said. Many will say to me in that day, have we not prophesied? God didn't say they prophesied. They said they prophesied. They make the accusations. They make the connotations. They are the ones doing the talking. And they say we have done thus and thus and thus and thus and done many wonderful works. But he will profess unto them, I never knew you. So what we need to understand is that a church is a body. The church is many members, and we are to be fitly joined together, which makes up the body of Christ. Christ is the head, and the church is his body. We all have different roles. We all play different uh, parts in the body of Christ. No two people are alike. Thank God for that. But when there's a problem in the church, the first thing that should be done is ask God, how do we deal with this matter? Don't call Pastor Lankford. Don't call Steve Quayle. Don't call Joe or Doug Hagman. You're supposed to get on your knees and talk to God. Prayer is a great restrainer. Prayer is not the restrainer that Paul spoke of in Second Thessalonians 2, 7. 
But prayer is a restrainer in a person's life. Now, I know from experience, and many of you listening to me tonight, you also know by empirical knowledge and experience, you were dealing with an issue. But somehow the Holy Spirit was able to get a hold of your heart, and you got on your knees, and you prayed about a matter before you'd done anything. And when you start praying and getting into the presence of God, the Holy Ghost will touch your heart. He will touch your life. He will admonish you. He will reprove you. He will rebuke you. He may edify you. He may show you something that you don't know yet. But because you took it to the Lord in prayer, and you hear Steve Quayle say all the time, take this to the Lord. Take this to the Lord. Find out from God, because every one of us are fallible. I'm as fallible as the next man. The only thing redeemed about David Lankford is his spirit and his soul. My flesh, if the Lord tarries, will see corruption and die and go back to the earth from whence I came. But too many times, as Paul said, they have a knowledge of God, but they're zealous. Zeal is a terrible thing when it's not harnessed by the Holy Ghost. It can be disruptive. It can harm. It can injure. Because they have zeal. Uh, any of you guys that watch football have seen a football player lose his control and his temper, and he suffers the whole team to be penalized and they can even lose the game because of one stupid act. And the coach and everybody looks at him like, I can't believe you did that. Why? He lost his composure. In the church today, we're too quick to react when we should respond. I preached a message some years ago about reacting and responding. A response is something that's thought out. I'll be 61 years of age next month. I've learned before I do anything, for the most part, meditate, contemplate, and debate in my mind, because there are going to be repercussions of what I do. You can throw one pebble in the pond. You don't get one ripple. You get scores of them. And so Paul is telling us in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. What is salt? Salt is a preservative. Salt, if it's applied to your spiritual lips, will preserve you and keep you from saying something. If the salt is not there, your flesh is corrupt and your flesh is rotten. Isaiah 6 said, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he said, I'm a man of what? unclean lips and I dwell among unclean people. Here's a prophet of God. Realizing how corrupt his flesh is. All of us need to understand we are corrupt people in flesh. And if we operate in the flesh we only reap more corruption. Galatians 6, 7 Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his spirit, he that soweth to his spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. But he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. 
You can ask God to forgive you after you've sown to the flesh, but you will still reap the corruption. In Psalms 23, David said in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. As you live your life and you walk your walk, you're daily sowing seed. The way you know you're sowing good seed is when you look to the back of your journey and you see goodness and mercy following you. I ask you tonight in looking back over the last several weeks, what is following you? Is goodness? Is mercy following you? Or is there strife, contention, clamor, backbiting, evil, disgusting, putrefying sores? What's behind you? Why is it behind you? I'll tell you why it's behind you. You've not been sowing the right seed because God said, don't think you're going to mock me. You're going to reap what you sow. And if you sow to your spirit, you will reap spiritual things. You sow to your flesh, you reap corruption. You've heard me quote this passage, most of you, scores of times. Romans 8, 5, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity or hostile against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now I want you to notice closely verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. We've been experiencing death of relationships, friendships, etc., etc. Why? Because we have been carnally minded. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. When people are spiritually minded, there is life, which means there's growth, there is maturity, there is blessings. And there is also peace because of spiritual mindedness. Now, regretfully, the peace has been broken, and strife and envy and clamor and backbiting has taken away the peace and the placidity. Now, no one preaches any harder against sin than myself. But I've even been accused in the last several weeks of being a compromiser, of being two-faced, being low down. I, one lady emailed me and said, you need to swallow your pride. You've not corrected the doctor and cast your lot with the other gentleman. I don't cast my lots with no man. Moses didn't ask who's on his side. That's what Korah asked. Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? I ask you tonight, whose side are you on? I'm on nobody's side. I don't take sides. I want to walk with God because God is always and forever right. God is not full of error. His word is not full of error. And my ministry have had a shadow cast over it because I did not react. Now listen to what I just said. 
My personal ministry, I've had 20, 30 emails myself. The Hagmans have had hundreds. My ministry has been darkened. My integrity has been in question. My ministry and the word that I've preached has been accused of being compromised and being two-faced because I didn't pick up someone else's offense and go one way or the other. And if you think this preacher is going to be sullied and soiled and stained because of other men and their evil actions, you are badly mistaken. Because you see, before you know the matter, you need to pray about it. Now, to write me an email and tell me I need to swallow my pride because this doctor is uh, wrong, because he's my friend, I need to swallow my pride. Can I tell you, I don't even know the man. I don't even know what the man looks like. But I was accused of being his friend. And so, because I had so much pride, I could not humble myself and uh, join and cast my lot with the other gentleman. That's the arrogancy. That's the pride that I'm speaking of. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord, is to hate evil pride and arrogancy. And I have personally done nothing. Did you know I would have no known none of this except gossipers, slanderers, and talebearers email me, phone me, and call me? I would have known none of this. I could have went to Dallas, Texas with the cleanest, purest heart and preached what God laid on my heart and never known a thing. Now I can be accused of slanting my sermon because I know things. That's what happens when you do what's been done. I love to preach under the unction and leadership of the Holy Ghost. I've, I've preached hundreds of revivals. I've preached in hundreds of churches, and I've walked in parsonages and just set my suitcase and my garment bag down, and the pastor start, and I'd say, Sir, shut up. Why are you telling me to shut up? I said, because do not affect my mind with your church problems. Let God show me, use me, and let me preach accordingly. But when you spew your refuse here before I even get to the pulpit the first time, you're affecting my knowledge. There is bliss and ignorance, not knowing. But you don't have to worry. God will reveal the truth to men of God and women of God when they seek God. And I would tell pastors, do not tell me your church problems. I don't want to know them, because if they need to be dealt with, the Holy Ghost and the Word of God will deal with these problems. Remember Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even the dividing sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the faults and the intents of the heart. The Word of God discerns people because it's Jesus. The Word is Jesus. And it discerns the people's hearts. I don't have to discern the heart. My job is to preach the Word of God. And if that Word is preached under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, it will prick men's hearts. So I don't want the outside information because I'm a human being. 
and it will affect my obedience to the Holy Ghost. And so I say, well, if I say that while I'm preaching, somebody say, yes, yeah, somebody's been talking to him. That's why I would always tell men, keep your problems to yourself. Keep your church problems to yourself. Let God deal with it. If there's a right way, there's a wrong way. There's God's way, there's the devil's way. We must deal with everything in God's way. And that's why God gave us elders and gave us mature men and women who can have wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, James 1 and 5 says, Let him ask of God, and he will give liberally. He'll give you wisdom. And, and, and in these circumstances, situations, we need wisdom more than anything else. Because here's the problem. Irreparable damage gets done, and it can never be repaired. Did you hear what I said? You can have forgiveness. You can have the relationship mended. The brokenness can be healed. But the irreparable damage sometimes can never be lessened or mitigated because if you look, there's a scar. That scar is a reminder of the instance. I have a football scar in my hand where I had six stitches put in it playing football. I'm nearly 61 years of age, but that scar is bad, and that scar is a reminder how I got hurt on the football field. No, it don't hurt no more, but I can still see the scar, and I know what caused the hurt. Galatians six seventeen, Paul said, From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all going to bear marks. Those marks are reminders. Now, they can be good reminders, or they can be bad reminders of circumstance and situations. I want the marks to be because I fought a good fight. I finished the course and I kept the faith. Those are the marks I want in my body, in my life, in my mind, and in my conscience. And if those are not the kind of marks you have, then you have the wrong kind of marks and you're fighting the wrong fight. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6:12, fight the good fight of faith. Now, needless to say, there's a lot of fighting going on, but is it a good fight? Marvin Rosenthal is a good friend of mine. We were coming back from Israel. We were sitting on the tour bus going back to the airport. He looked at me and he said, David, I want to ask you a question. What is your affiliation as far as denomination? I said, well, Brother Rosenthal, I said, I'm a Pentecostal. He looked at me and he smiled real big and he said, that's why I'm very careful now how I pick my fights because I support the men's mission work in Israel. Now, he's a good Baptist brother, but he doesn't believe in speaking in tongues, but I do. But you see, I can work with that man because the man has enough wisdom to say, you know what, this guy's helping me do omission work in Israel. Though we disagree with this little doctrinal thing, we're not going to fall out over it. And this is what happens. Now, I don't want to lessen some of the things that I regretfully heard about error in Scripture. In the, some of the things I heard were absolutely erroneous, egregious, and totally so unbiblical, it begs description. But that does not give anybody the right to start castigating, slandering, impinging, and just piling on. There's always the right way to handle it, and regretfully, it wasn't handled spiritually and doctrinally, and the protocol was totally skewed. Proverbs fourteen twelve. there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. If it's not God's way, then it's man's way, 
and that way is always going to bring corruption. Steve, I'm going to give it to you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, the issue is a really important issue because I don't know if it was a year or two years ago, I said on this very show, the sins that will destroy the body as given to me by the Lord were the sins of jealousy and envy. And remember, that was responsible for the same and the first murder. One of the great travesties in Christendom I think, Pastor, you'll agree with this, is that people will excuse their sin by saying, God knoweth my heart. He knows my heart. Yes, God does know your heart. And here's what the Scripture says. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 10. It's possible to be sincere, but very, very wrong. Blessed is a man that trusts in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, that's what you just said, David, and spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when he comes. In other words, it will not, the tree will not experience dirt, neither will the life that this, that this passage in Jeremiah exemplifies. But her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. You have the right, ladies and gentlemen, to look at the fruit. Now here it is. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, God speaking, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, and according to the fruit of his doings. I observed a broken man last night. I didn't get to see Doug face to face, but I was on the phone with him a couple times in the afternoon. And it's one thing, I got David probably a dozen emails of accusing me of the same thing and everything. I want to go on record and I'll tell you why this went wrong and where it went wrong and not throwing any uh, rocks at anyone. The problem is God's people were told to take up their cross and follow Jesus. Jesus said, take up my cross, follow me. People take up their cause and follow men. That's what Pastor Langford just spoke about. The idea that uh, your ministry is more important than the uh, uh, health of the body is basically a scorched earth policy. And when there's a famine for the word in the land, and there is, number one, God's people don't know the word of God. If you don't know the Bible, you won't know Jesus. And I'm sorry to say that. You can claim you do, but you'll always resort, resort, forgive me, and fall back to that which you think you know rather than that which God has revealed. There's a powerful statement. Many men come on the scene, and they will say this or that. They'll claim they have dreams and dreams and dreams and visions and visions and visions. If you have one, they have five. If you've had three, they've got 30. And what that is is a gross sign of immaturity. And even Michael, the scripture teaches, the archangel Michael doesn't bring an accusation against Satan, but he basically says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Yet accusations permeate the body. Yet gross, gross, uh, uh, I would call it adulteration of Matthew 18. Matthew 18 says, you go to your brother. And I'm going to read that scripture in its entirety. And if he won't listen, then you take two other. But if you're saying to the body of Christ, I did that, and yet you won't reveal who the elders are, then you have no witness. And basically, it tends to be, in what I've experienced over 45 years of battling in this realm, that it was never exactly that way. 
Some of you women that have sent me emails, you need to repent, and you need to get baptized in water and quit spewing out bile, and I, as I've said in the past, battery acid. Battery acid is corrosive. Once you get it on your skin, first of all, this whole thing went wrong because I, a, a, how do I say this? You can be sincere and sincerely wrong, but a well-meaning couple wanted to have a conference similar to Whitestone. Now, since I was involved in Whitestone and Pastor Langford was there and many people listening, I'll share with you why Whitestone worked. Because the men who came there were in agreement. They were in agreement, number one, in the Holy Ghost. Everybody who was a speaker was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It wouldn't have done good to put uh, me and some uh, a Baptist minister, I'm not taking away from the Baptist minister, who speaks that speaking in tongues is of the devil together. But we had a united purpose. God said he wanted to heal the body. He wanted to minister to the people. God said, I'm concerned for the fate of my sheep. I love my sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I'm going to do something special. And that's what was, was, was meant to try and be duplicated, but it was duplicated wrong. Of all the people that could have asked me and could have saved themselves, spared this whole thing, and I'm not saying I had all the answers, but I'm saying I did have this answer, the need did not constitute the call. And by the way, I have basically shared everything I'm sharing publicly with the individual uh, uh, in an email and his attitude was one of humility and repentance, okay? So, here's where things go wrong. I can want to do God the biggest favor in the world. I can believe I'm called to do this, that, and the other thing. People can even put wind into my sail and say, you'd be a really good this, that, or the other thing. But unless God calls you to it, it's a vain, fleshly extension. The Spirit of God always brings redemption. Let me say that again. The Spirit of God always brings redemption. He's holy. God's holy. And one of the most uh, disparaging terms that I hear people use is a man upstairs. First of all, it's a scriptural, uh, uh, it's a lie. God is not a man. For they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and truth. Or the big guy. What's that, a wrestler on WWF? I have seen Pastor Langford and Joe a complete lack of honor, of respect. I have not even seen in the arguments of the situation we're talking about, where's Jesus? Let me give everybody a practical, practical, the best thing I know after everything I've stumbled, fallen, uh, needing to repent of everything. Look where Jesus is. Now, I want to make this clear. The doctor bringing up terms like kundalini, uh, 13 dimensions, uh, challenging the humanity of Jesus Christ, even to the point of almost uh, heresy. Jesus said before Abraham was I am. I do not know the man. I had no idea who he was. Like Pastor Langford, I got into this. I chose not to say anything about the conference so there would be no, um, uh, what would you say, uh, uh, doubt cast by me. I held my peace. And what I've learned is the same thing that Pastor Langford has learned. Only a fool judges a matter before seeing both hands play out before seeing 
both the defense and the offense. And seeing this thing progressing, and for the record, I went on I went on record with Pastor Langford, I went on record with Doug, I went on record with Sheila Zelensky, because she was troubled also at the start of this thing. So the point is, is that the scripture says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. But I tried to stay in the background until it was impossible to any longer stay in the background, because like Pastor Langford, no matter what you say, once this sort of filth gets dumped on your living room, you've got to clean the carpet, you've got to bring the guys in with the ozone machine, and you've got to uh, reclaim all the damage done. The scars are real, and the wounds go away. Once gossip is presented, it's like a bullet that you cannot recall. It is a bullet. The tongue can be a weapon or it can be a wonderful highway of healing. And that's what David prayed. You, I don't think you know the, the scripture, but basically he was praying about the oil that ran down Aaron's beard, the anointing oil. But I want to read this because this is Galatians five thirteen through 23. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, devour means literally to eat a person alive with your tongue, and unfortunately Christians don't even, you know, chew on their brothers. They just swallow them whole. Take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say, that walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under law. Now here are the works of the flesh. that are manifest adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness. What did I say? I said that the two greatest... Uh, uh, enemies of the church, the true, when I say the church, I'm talking about the congregation of those who profess Jesus, envyings, murders, it's envyings and jealousy, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. When I wrote the introduction, see how prescient this was. I believe this was written three years ago, at least two years ago, to Tom Horn's Blood on the Altar. Jesus shed his blood. You don't have to shed your brother's blood. You don't have to worry about someone else's reputation. Worry about, does Jesus know you? And if you don't even name his name, I'll make this statement. You may think you know him. He doesn't know you. The scripture says, if you don't confess him before men, neither will he confess you before his Father which is in heaven. Matthew 10, 36. The title of this is, When the Religious Persecute the Righteous and the Coming Wars Within Christianity. I can't say it any better than the scripture. 
But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I have come to send peace to the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Ninety-nine percent of ecumenical people don't even know the word of God. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. That goes for your own literal family as well as the family of God. I'm sorry to have to say that. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. It is pleasing to the flesh to put down other people to try and elevate yourself, especially on the devil boards. I'm sorry, it's true. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power there from such turn away. Well, brother, you know my heart, and I just don't think Steve Quayle's even a Christian. He's mean. I hear that all the time. Yet, if you go on the testimony section of hearing what people say to Doug and to Joe and to David Langford and to I, look, not everybody out there drinks or eats meow mix as men, okay? John 16, 1 through 3. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you think that he does God's service, or that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. Now, ladies and gentlemen, in this whole situation, I have yet, and if somebody wants to do it, and, and I, you know, uh, I would like to know, if there has been any mention of Jesus Christ. I could care less about the Kundalini Spirit. I give every praise to God about the Holy Spirit. The nonsense that Jesus was somehow not uh, born of the... He wasn't born of the flesh, but Mary carried the seed, and the sin passes through the man, and Jesus was conceived through the Holy Ghost. That same Jesus who is with the Father, that same Jesus who's in Colossians 1, 16 and 17, for him and by him and through him are all things that consist. In other words, he's the author and finisher of our faith. John 16, 1 through 3. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye shall not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogue, yea, the time cometh. Whoever killeth you will think he does God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. It is fair to assume that people who don't even use the name of Jesus, who can tear down Pastor Langford, and i got to share something. Pastor Langford is a pastor. I've known him for 25 years, and the fact I even have to say this is why I had to call people and ask them to intercede for my attitude tonight. David's heart was right. He said, Steve, just go with what the Holy Ghost tells you, and by the grace of God and the intercessors, I'm doing that. But the point I'm trying to tell you is he walks the walk, he talks the talk, the power of God is in his life. So when you people call him proud, or you people tell him to swallow his pride, you're speaking vomit. And that's why I call you vomit brokers. And for the record, I have no problem speaking 
speaking that because it is what the Word of God says. If you're lukewarm, you don't do the things you do. If it's me, 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 my, 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 uh, my ministry, my word, my dreams, my visions, my, 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 my. If I'm the one that has to bring the presence of God because I'm so anointed, then why do, why do you need the Holy Spirit? You got it all, pal. The world is now, I'm going back to this, and I'll, I'll turn it over, Joe, for the break. The world is now at a time when the bloodiest period of war and betrayal lies at the doorsteps of the Christian faith. As the New World or- Church and New World Order emerge, there is considerable effort being espoused by the Pope and evangelical megastars to embrace a one-world face based on agreements that we all serve the same God anyway. This is total rebellion and heresy against the faith of the apostles and the prophets as revealed, uh, as God's revealed prophets and the revealed will of the living God. I wrote this years ago. There are two households in which this battle will be waged, and the stakes are eternal. The first household is out of faith. Brother will turn against brother, and where they once broke bread together, they'll break each other's necks. The religious-minded folks will be the first to call for the government to do something when it all comes down. Faith has always been persecuted by unbelief, and that is the way it's going to play out in the months and years ahead. When you see a prominent Christian, and when you see prominent Christian authors being featured in the mainstream press, and talking about Christianity and Islam serving the same God, you know the battle is looming. The last thing I want to say before we go to break is this. Doug has never built himself out as a scriptorian. Joe has never made claims that they are. By the way, this is a talk radio program. You guys understand, you keep attacking the messengers, and when I see ego, and when I see people saying, oh, well, I, you know, I guess I hurt somebody's feelings, yeah, feelings usually can result in people dying. A word fitly spoken season is life. A deadly word spoken in season is death. So when I look at fruit, and all I see is confusion, when I see the people of God taking sides, saying, I'm of this guy, I'm of this doctor, I'm of this uh, watchman, I'm of that, I'm of that, you can't be of Steve Quayle or David Langford because we don't have our identity. We've chosen to say, Lord, we're sinners, and anything good in our life comes from you. But because of that goodness that you've shown to us, we want to share with the world. And contrary to all the skeptics and the uh, people out there, people from all over the world are coming to Jesus. Go read the testimonies on my website. I put up one of the most beautiful testimonies that God has ever undertaken through anything on the radio, I believe, today. You have the choice. You can either follow Jesus or you can go into eternity arguing about your heart and God knowing your heart. Yes, brothers and sisters, God does know our heart. That's why he sent Jesus, because outside of the blood of Jesus, our heart is desperately wicked. And that's why Satan is having a field day. What has gone on? And thank each and every one of you who has prayed for uh, uh, Doug today, Renee, and this whole situation. Uh, I'll turn it over to you now, Joe. I don't know if we're going to take a break now or not. Yep, we are at the top of the hour break right now. And when we come back, uh, I want to get into more of what you guys so eloquently explained in hour one. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this Wednesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Today's Wednesday, January 6, 2016. Our guests tonight are Pastor David Langford from The Voice of Evangelism and Steve Quill from stevequill.com. Uh, very uh, great first hour. There's a lot said, and if I can, I just want to hit on a few points because uh, they really stuck with me, and the scriptures have expanded on them, and, and uh one thing that really jumped out to me is, is the there's nothing new under the sun. When Jesus was on the earth, what did the the Pharisees and and uh, what, what did they do? They they walked around, followed Jesus, listened to his message, and they tried to or waited for him to say something they thought was uh, that wasn't of the scriptures, that wasn't uh, correct in their eyes. And Isaiah 29 says this. Uh, that make a man an offender for a word, they lay a snare. For him that reproveth in the gate, and turn aside the just for a thing of naught. <clears throat> and nothing really has changed. Uh, you see today that people are lacking discernment as individuals and as a congregation, as the whole body of Christ seems to be slipping further and further away from the truth in one way or another. And this happens because we do not, uh, as Pastor Langford and Steve said, we don't turn to the Lord all the time for the answers. And if we ask the Lord and we don't hear back or don't hear what we want to, sometimes we do what we want to, the human nature or carnality versus spiritual side. And in these times of spiritual turmoil and lack of understanding these things are going to get worse and worse and we're witnessing this play out in real time and we don't need a government to oppress and uh, try to eliminate Christianity the job is being done by proclaimed Christians who refuse to get into the word who refuse to be open to correction, and not by men, but by the Holy Spirit. All we must do is have a pure heart and a desire and love for the Lord and get into the Scriptures and let the Lord take you from there. But men get in the way of men, as is human nature. And it's just astonishing that <clears throat> we can have these same problems from 2,000 years ago that still affect us today. And um, that's all I have to say. I'm going to turn it over to you, Pastor. Joe, you, what you said was very profound. You said 2,000 years later we still have the same problem. The, the reason we have the same problem is the heart of man is the same. He may have jet airplanes and boats and aircraft and cars, but his heart... This is a heart problem. Um, Solomon, and that's why I, I, I have told countless businessmen, don't even claim to be Christians. I say, read the book of Proverbs. Read the book of Proverbs. You will glean so much wisdom. Why? Because Solomon was the wisest man on the earth because he asked God for wisdom, and God granted him wisdom. And... Uh, Ecclesiastes uh, 12 and 13 says, Let us 
hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. We're all under duty and obligation to fear God, to keep His word, and to hear the conclusion of the entire matter. But people come to a conclusion without hearing the entirety of the whole matter. Now, in 1 Kings 17, verse 2, And the word of the Lord came unto him, Elijah, saying, Go thence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself. Next chapter, 1 Kings 18, verse 2. Elijah went to show himself, or verse 1, Go show thyself unto Ahab. So the first thing God tells Elijah the prophet, Go hide yourself. Now why would he want Elijah to hide himself? He had some things he wanted to convey to him. You see, there's a time to hide yourself before you ever show yourself. We all quote this, especially in the, the, the circle of end-time events, prophecy, getting prepared for famine, chaos, financial collapse. We, we quote the verse in Proverbs 27, 12. A wise man foresees trouble coming and takes refuge, but the simple pass on and are punished. You see, I saw trouble coming, so I hid myself. I didn't say anything, but yet I was lambasted to no end. You see, these are fools that do this. But I was accused of being in the wrong because I hid myself. Because, you see, I see the tempest, I see the storm. You can't pastor for 27 years and not learn a few things if you're constantly seeking God in relationship to dealing with men. I tell God every day, God, the world is too smart. They're too cunning. They're too crafty. They're too, they're too shady for this old country boy. Help me to see through the veneer. Help me to see through the facade. There are a lot of things I never, I never even talk about. There are things I could say, and if I said them, it would cause problems. James one twenty two. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. Listen, there's enough Bible to misinterpret it and aggregate, collect scripture, and build your case. But see, the truth is, I have a problem in doing that because when I try to go that route, the Holy Spirit reminds me of another verse that counters that verse, me trying to make my case. The verses cancel out the verses because there's a twisting and convoluting of the Scripture. You see, we believe in the New Testament as our rule of form and of government in the church. Yes, we believe in the Old Testament. There's much prophecy to be fulfilled yet out of the Old Testament. But when it comes to the structure of the church, the body of Christ, we must go by the New Testament. So James being such a wise man, the half-brother of Jesus, he said, Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. Can I tell you people deceive their own selves with their own self-lies? 
This is, this is the danger of being imbalanced when it comes to the Word of God. Proverbs 11, 29. He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. You see, you can trouble your own house because you did not seek godly counsel. See? And, 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 and just because God has blessed any of us with a platform, with a venue to reach out and to minister, doesn't mean we're always right. Uh, Steve and I oftentimes bandy back at each other our thoughts, our feelings about this, about that, because there's safety in the multitude of counsel. But the question is, where are you getting your counsel? I remember as a pastor, there was a gentleman in my church who had just gotten saved, one of the great bassists you've ever heard play a bass guitar. He smoked, drank liquor, and done crack. His name was Vince. I said, Vince, I'm going to take a chance with you because you're such a talented musician. You gave up the coke, the crack, gave up the liquor, but you're struggling with your cigarettes. But I want to be gracious to you, and I said, I'm going to give you a whole year to get rid of your cigarettes because I want the people on this platform with me to be sanctified by the Word of God. But I'm a man of compassion. I'm a man of great conviction, but I'm also a man of compassion. The year came and went. He didn't give up his cigarettes. And I said, Vince, I'm setting you down. I'm not going to let you play the bass in the church anymore. I said, I gave you an opportunity you abused it. He said, well, I went to another pastor, and he said to me, if I gave up the crack, cocaine, and the alcohol, I'd done, done enough sacrifice, and don't worry about the cigarettes. I said, does that pastor happen to smoke a pipe? Yeah, he does. I said, that's what I figured. Baptist pastor smoked a pipe. Now, I'm not here to condemn and castigate, but you know what he went and done? He went and got advice from somebody that would agree with him. He got advice from somebody that would agree with him. That's what people do. They seek out somebody that's going to agree with them. As a pastor, I always had a church and pastor's council. And I would say to my brethren, gentlemen, we're going to have church problems. You can't have the crowds we have and not have problems. But God forbid you become a problem to me as an elder in this church. I resent that. Don't do that. Number two, if you're so smart that you can see all the faults, all the flaws, all the imperfections, and come and rain on my parade every day and tell me all the wrong in the church... Every problem you tell me that's wrong, I expect you to give me the solution. Because anybody can find fault. You can find fault with anything because of your personality. 
Steve and I both like fast cars, but we may not like the same color. Am I going to fall out with Steve because he likes a white car and I like a black car? No. But that's what people do. They will they will fall out over that thing. But that's about personality of what you like. Some like vanilla ice cream. Some like chocolate ice cream. But you know, both of them are ice cream. But we are divided in the church because we lack wisdom and seeking the counsel of God. Now, Proverbs 11, verse 13 says, A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Well, I'm not going to call any names. But one particular party went and delved in and dug into another person's past. Now, I want somebody to tell me what that's got to do with anything regarding this situation. Why go back and dig into a person's past? Now, I'll be plain and blunt, and I'll share this tonight. You can go back before 1978. I have an arrest record. Yeah, I've been locked up. Me too, Pastor. <laughs> uh, there are things I am totally ashamed of. I've been locked up for drunk driving. I'm just a punk, 20-year-old kid, uh, for a better lack of terms, raising hell. But why would you go back now into my past and dig that up? You dig that up as fodder and ammunition to discredit a person when you want to hurt them. Now, don't tell me you are a man or woman of God and go snooping and digging into people's lives for no reason. You do that as ammunition and fodder to hurt them. You don't go snooping just because you don't have anything better to do. Matter of fact, I Googled myself the other day. I wanted to see what people were saying about me. Am I a false pastor, false prophet? I only saw one or two uh, things said about me, and they were said about this situation that we're dealing with, and that I was a compromising uh, low life because I didn't stand up for what they thought I should stand up for. Well, I'm going to always stand for what's right, but before I take a stand... I want to know the matter before I make my decision. I, I want to know what's going on. But when you go back into somebody's past that Jesus has forgiven them, and you want to go back and dig that up, that's what vultures do. They go to where dead things are. They, uh, You live out in the country. I told my wife we were laughing one day. All of a sudden we started watching and the vultures started circling. I said, well, something died and somebody called 911 and here's the vultures. I mean, it was one, then it was five, then it was 15, then it was 20. I said, man, it must be a cow or two or three deer, but it's just a, a, a mass of vultures. What do they do? They go dig up dead stuff. Well, what's godly about that? That's so you can injure someone at your convenience. That's wrong. Don't tell me the Holy Ghost led you to dig up my past. 
No, sir. Now, the devil will tell you to dig up my past. The devil will tell you to try to find something on me. And when I witness people that do that, I know in my spirit, I'm not the only person they're digging into. They're digging around every dead maggot-filled hole they can find to find something that they may want to use down the road. Is that the Holy Ghost? You remember years ago, and I'm going to bring his name up tonight because it's a profound example, R.G. Stair said if God did not make a major move by the year 2000, he would tell him to go to hell. I had a gentleman write me and told me if I did not submit myself to the authority of R.G. Stair, God would cut me off. And I wrote the man a letter back. And I said, like Jesus, I framed a question. I said, if you will answer my question, I will submit myself to R.G. Stair. And my question was, did R.G. Stair say by the Holy Ghost he would tell God to go to hell if he didn't make a major move by the year 2000? Or did he say that from a vain, worthless, fruitless heart? And I said, please send me your reply. Well, I'm still waiting 15 years later. 16 years later hadn't heard a word because the Holy Ghost didn't tell him that that's, that's vanity that's, that's, that's arrogancy that's pride that stench that stench in the nostrils of God how dare any man make a statement of that caliber and did you know there are people still follow the guy and listen to him let me take you to Acts chapter 5 the apostles had just been rested, been beaten, told them that they should not teach in the name of Jesus anymore. And so they had a meeting, the Sanhedrin met, and you can pick it up in Acts chapter 5, verse 34. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law. The man had a doctorate degree in the Mosaic law had in reputation among all the people. He was a very renowned doctor of the Mosaic Law and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. In other words, let's get them out of the room. I got something I want to say to you guys privately. And he said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves let's see someone else made that statement in Luke 21 34 take heed to yourselves lest at any time your heart become of a charge with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life so that day come upon you unawares you can get overcharged with the cares of this life and lose out with God so Gamaliel says, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Theodos, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. Now, that's what happens when you follow men. They were scattered. They were brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas, 
of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. Why? They're following a man. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. Why am I sharing that? Two reasons. You better quit following men. Paul said, Be ye followers of me, even as I am also of Christ. So you better quit following men, and you had better follow God, lest you be found fighting God because you're following men. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. No man can fight against God and win. It's absolutely impossible. Pastor, if I may, um, what you just said about you know uh, following men, one thing that we know is men are fallible, and that's something you say very often. And the Lord is not fallible. And unfortunately, in the culture we have today in society and with the TV and, and radio and the uh, social media, um, people seem to have a following of, of celebrity. Uh, you know, they want to uh, focus on a person and it's, you know, this person and their message instead of just the message. Uh, and taking that message to the Lord. People who create expectations of men are going to be let down. And I believe uh, you were the one that said that at, in a conference we were attending. And that stuck with me and has continued to be at the forefront of my thoughts when we deal with things like this. Because men will always fail you. Uh, but the Lord never will. So it would be unwise uh to continue to look for men as the answer or as saviors in any sense of society, whether it's a political savior, like we see every election, um, or any other. The spiritual uh, nature of and importance of this, to understand this, it is very important, and it can lead you astray if you do not follow the Lord in all matters of your life. And this is something that is easier spoken and said than done. Because the human nature brings you back to your own uh, actions, your own understanding. Or the the one that resembles what you would like it to be, uh, rather than what the truth of it is. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you for uh, constantly saying that men are fallible. The Lord isn't. And, I mean, it couldn't be said any clearer. But it's a, a concept that people do not consider, I think. The, the, the truth is, that's, that's the nature of a man. We all, we all want leadership. I want leadership. I want this nation to have leadership. But this nation has become so sinful, so degraded, we, we don't have godly leadership anymore. 
I mean, you know, this Muslim in the White House feigns all these tears about a, a situation at Sandy Hook that never took place. I mean, what a great actor. I mean, I sat there, and I'm not moved at all in my spirit because I know it's false. I know it's fake. I know it's a joke, you see. And, and, and any time you follow men, this is the disorder and the chaos that you get. Christ has never failed me. He has never let me down. He's never disappointed me. Men have hurt me. Men have harmed me. Men have injured me. Men have bruised me. They have, they've done so many things. And all of my emails and all of my phone calls was take a side. Take a side. Every one of them was, I needed to take a side. And how food, that shows me, don't try to counsel me when you don't even know what you're talking about. Now, those of you that listen to me know I preach uncompromisingly the Word of God. But there's a time in James 1.19, be slow to speak, be slow to wrath, and be quick to hear, for the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. And because I don't react like these other people do, I'm somehow a bad guy now. And and I didn't do anything. I, I had nothing to do with any of this. Steve had nothing to do with any of this. And when you have guests on your program and they say something or they do something, it's hard to stop and pick a fight on the air and shut them, shut them off and, and, and shut them down and say, well, we've got an hour and a half to do now by ourselves because we, we, we shut the guy down. I understand correction. You know, how many people would like to be openly corrected every time they said something wrong? Wouldn't you like for somebody to take you off to the side and, and say something to you? and correct you in that way. If everybody's got their Bibles, I want them to look with me, and I'm going to give it to Steve after I read this passage in Acts chapter 18. You see, I, I don't know really either one of these men personally. Uh, I, 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 I've met one one time is all. But everybody's at a different level spiritually. There, there are no two Christians on the same level. You've got first grade Christians, you have Christians that have PhDs in Christ. That, that's how much they've grown. And you get those who just got saved. Now, here's the danger, and here's why I have fear. I was up at 3 o'clock the other morning, very troubled about this matter, trying to get the mind of God. And here I'm going to make this statement, so get ready. Somebody is going to be responsible for all the damage. Let me say that again. Somebody is going to be responsible for all the damage. When the bus driver is going down the road 80 miles an hour and has a, a, a bus accident and kills all 60 people on the bus, who's responsible? The riders or the driver? They put their lives in the hand of that driver. And they call it manslaughter. Because he slaughtered a bunch of men. Now, there are different variations for the accident. But he's responsible in the end for going to sleep, taking drugs, on his cell phone. I don't know what he's doing, but he runs off the road and he kills everybody. Who's responsible for these deaths? Nobody? No. 
somebody's responsible. And this is why we handle things, and we are always cautious before we jump into the fray, because you get in the fire before you know what you're talking about, you're going to get burned too. Some of you people that email me, you've been burned so bad, you got so much egg on your face, but you don't have enough God to write me. I had one lady, one lady, one lady email me back and said, thank you for rebuking me. I was wrong. I will never shoot another email before I pray about it. One. Out of the scores I got, I got one person said, I'm sorry. That shows you who's got the pride. That shows you who's arrogant. Not me them. But Acts chapter 18, beginning at verse 24, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, who when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much which had believed through grace, for he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Now, the Bible says that Apollos was an eloquent man, mighty in the Scriptures, and he was instructed in the way of the Lord, but only to a certain level, and that level was the baptism and the ministry of John the Baptist. But Aquila and Priscilla, a husband and wife, who had experienced the baptism in the Holy Ghost, when they heard him, they took him to themselves and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly or in a more mature and deeper way. They were qualified to take this man deeper than where he was. They recognized the anointing. They recognized the fervency. They recognized the calling of God upon his life. But they said, Brother, we can take you further. Why? They had more. No pastor, no preacher, nobody can take you any further spiritually than they've been themselves. They can take you any deeper in the Word of God than they are themselves. And so when you're always listening to shallow preachers, your life and your depth of your, of your knowledge will be shallow. I, I, like anyone else at times, I surf Christian television. And, you know, I have a pretty reasonable knowledge of the Scriptures, and they'll put up a scripture and, and got some acronym that I don't even know what it means. I know what New King James Version means. But there'll be some long acronym. I have no idea what it is. And I don't even recognize the Bible verse. I couldn't tell you what it means, what it's saying, because I don't know it. Am I stupid because I don't know it? No. I just stay with the King James Version. There's an anointing, there is a fluidity, there's a spiritual touch on this particular version. But we've gotten so far away, and this takes away the unity. This takes away the unity, because, well, this guy reads this version, this guy reads that version, and, and so we're just, you know, and then every man's doing what the Bible says in the book of Judges. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. 
That was the theme of the book of Judges. Every man does what is right in his own eyes. Well, that's not right, because that's not God's way. And I, I, I've been hurt over this myself. I've been hurt because I have had a shadow cast on me personally. And I'll be honest with you. I resent that. Had I done something, had I harmed someone, had I said something, had I done something, I expect there to be repercussions. I most certainly expect repercussions. I expect things to happen when I do things, and especially do something wrong. But when I have wronged no man and not been involved in anything, and yet I am lambasted, I'm falsely accused of pride in this and that and a host of other things, and that I'm not the man I profess to be because I did not side with someone else. This is the most immature group of people that I've ever seen act like this in all of my life. Now I'm going to share one more passage because this is what God so fervently dropped in my spirit days ago, and I shared it first with Steve before I shared it with anyone, and it's Proverbs 26, 17. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears as a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death that's what's happened here. People have been casting firebrands, arrows, and death. So is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, I'm not in sport, or I'm not in mockery. Yes, you are. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tail-bearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals, and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Contentious people are energized by strife. That's where they get their energy, by the strife. The words of a tailbearer are his wounds, and they go down into the innermost part of the belly, burning lips, and the wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips. When you have hate, you disassemble, you tear apart people with your lips, and layeth up deceit within your own self. When he speaketh fair, oh, as Paul said, by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. When he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. People who lie afflict other people, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. You better be careful when people pat you on the back all the time because Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. I expect to be persecuted. 
But woe unto you when everybody says, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. There's something not right about that, Jesus said. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. It's either Luke 6, 26, Luke 46. And Luke 6. Pastor, yeah. if I can just add one verse from uh, Proverbs chapter 18 uh, that deals exactly with what you're talking about. It says, a brother's offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. That's right. So, the the deal is, and I'm going to give it to Stephen, I know I've been terribly long-winded tonight, and I'm, and I'm sorry for that. You have to handle this with spiritual maturity. And you have to handle it with wisdom. And if you don't, it only creates more damage. I'm sorry, Steve. I'm going to give it to you. Oh, no, no, no. Don't apologize, David. The only good preaching I get is when I listen to you and do the show. So, man, I take this to heart. Let me share uh, some scriptures and some some perceptions, you know. First uh, Timothy 5, 18 through 21. For the scriptures say, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doting, and I'm sorry, yeah, doing, I'm sorry, my eyes are blurry, doing nothing by partiality. By the way, one more time. I type in caps for my eyes' sake. I'm having issues with my eyes, and, uh, you know, I'm sorry it offended the one, the, the one person that stirred up this strife, his wife, and she said, "What? how childish I am to type in caps. Steve, I, I type, in, said, I type yep. in caps, too, because I wear reading glasses, too, so don't worry about yep. it, brother. That's your so new age anyway, generation. Yeah. So I want to I make this clear. I love Doug, and I love Joe. They have provided to the world at large at expense to them. And I guarantee you, most of the people complaining to you, David, complaining to me, have never helped the Hagmans. People think somehow, you know, if I sell my books, I'm just selling fear to sell my books. Doug goes out and borrows a whole lot of money so that he can put in his studio, and he affords you, Pastor David Langford, and me, SQ, the ability to go all over the world, and Doug gets the letters, too, that are saying, thank you for your program. Ladies and gentlemen, not once in the years that I've been on talk radio with Doug Hagman has he ever asked me to make a plea for funding for them. Not once. Yet I'm a realist and I know exactly how things work. The people take everything they can and give nothing back. Now, those of you who support Doug and Joe, this doesn't uh, matter. I listened to a broken man, David. I listened to a broken man yesterday that was my friend who I love. I listened to a broken man that had been so castigated for stuff he didn't do that it took me, it took me probably eight hours to get over my anger, okay? Now, I know better than anybody, because obviously I deal with it, the anger of man does not work, uh, you know, work the righteousness of God. But I also know there is nothing so cruel as a self-righteous religious spirit that will devour people. They will say, Doug, you bless me, brother Joe, you're doing such a good job. And then this comes up and they say, we be of this guy, we be of that guy. Yet where's Jesus? 
Again, ladies and gentlemen, if I can get one point through tonight, and this is what I'm going to, I think I told Sheila Zelensky this, this, this today, I, I live by this. If you're going to go as a talk radio show host and you're going to basically be talking about spiritual matters, the person who is being presented to a largely Christian audience, and Joe, it's safe to say the majority of our listeners are Christian, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I so, yeah, so you have the right, Joe Hagman. Doug Hagman has the right to basically say, tell me about Jesus. Tell me how you got saved. Well, I got saved when I was a kid. That's not good enough. Many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord. And isn't that what we're seeing? I also want to share one thing, ladies and gentlemen, please. For those of you who have said to me today, uh, I don't know what to do. Start by supporting them. If you're not in church, send them money to help them. So, and, and I know what the blogs say to that. There they go. Quail's asking people for money again. I'm not asking for myself. I don't ask for myself. But I'll tell you this. It is a principle that if you sow generously, you reap generously. I know Pastor Langford lives by this. I live by it. We both know each other's lives because we live in that world. We, we, we believe that if God so loved the world that he gave, we don't give and charge interest, okay? The thing that makes me the craziest, David, believe it or not, is the fact, I think you know this, is cheapskates, okay? I happen to have two of them in my family, and I've had come to uh, Jesus Talks with both of them. You know, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. And so what I'm saying tonight is this. Doug asked me, I think I told you this, Dave, and I don't know if uh, 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 you know this, Joe, but your dad was ready to throw in the towel. I mean, yes, he had he, had uh, I don't know what Go he ahead. said to you last night, but when I was here uh, uh, for about an hour after the show, uh, he had me worried. Uh, I knew he was going to bed, though, and, and he would wake up in the morning with a fresh mind. But, yeah, he was very troubled, and it uh, he it wasn't the kind of trouble you can hide. He was No, it wasn't, and, he, and I could hear... I could hear the weeping in his voice. Now, he's my friend, okay? You attack him, you attack me. You attack you, Joe, you attack me. You attack David, you're lassoing the hurricane. Look, I am not a preacher. I want to claim that again. I am not a preacher. I am not an evangelist. I'm a businessman who has been called to write and teach about the things that are coming. And and as I do that, people are being touched all the world. Go ahead, skeptics, go read the testimonials. I didn't write those. It's on my website, left the right-hand column. It says testimonies. I know that people are getting touched because Pastor Langford and I, why am I saying that? You want to sow seed into the guy who says, well, yeah, I need my $65 million jet. And I need this and that and the other thing. It's not the jet I, I, I object to. I mean, good night. The guy's already got good jets. But the point is, is that these guys get together and they brag, there are two of us. No, there are four of us that are multi-billionaires. And the people of God go hungry. And the sheep of his flock are shorn. And the people of the world embrace these guys as if the, their money, uh, you know, uh, in this sense it does make way for them, but it's not the highway of holiness. Again, these people take up a cause. You know what it's called? It's called uh, the, the, the Christian shuffle, the shakedown of the sheep. 
Ah, bless God, I ministered with this guy, and, and, and what you had is two guys, you know, arguing. I, I, and one of them said this years ago, David, you know what I'm talking about, it doesn't matter if I call his name or not. I'm going to build me a house that King Solomon and all his splendor would be jealous of. Really? You tell me how much money you have, and I'll tell you what the contemporary price of the gold, the silver, the oxen, and everything else, the cedars of Lebanon, and you're talking close to a trillion dollars, and this guy isn't a trillionaire. People will follow the wolves before they will listen to the shepherds. That breaks my heart. Please, ladies and gentlemen, don't put the extra stress. If you are a Christian, if you know the blessing of giving, then stand with Joe and Doug. It's enough to have to deal with this nonsense. I want to make a, a, a statement here. The scripture says, "How can do?" Now I'm getting. Now I'm getting moving and grooving, Pastor Langford. <laughs> the scripture says, "How can two walk together except they be agreed?" Agreed. I know that. I know that uh, the conference guy has repented. He's sending me emails right now on the air. Uh, I've seen no repentance from the other guy. Maybe he has. Maybe he hasn't. But because of the nature of this egregious destruction that my friend's wife and your friend's wife and those of you who love Doug, because she had to be taken to the ER room and there's not yet one statement except well, I think I heard his feelings. I forgive that guy. I want to go on record tonight. Don't tell me I have unforgiveness. I've already dealt with my unforgiveness. But I will not walk with him. I will not talk with him. And I will not share with him. Because, again, there is too much contention and strife. And I'm sorry if that's offensive to you. Go ahead. Take your sides. Take your best shot. But every time you take your best shot, it'll come back to you. Uh, the, en the entity, the people that have generated this, those who are repentant, they're going to be covered. with. They'll still have to deal with the fallout. But I don't think, uh, you know, I, I just don't think that, how do I say this? People don't understand the lateness of the hour or the ramifications. You know, the scripture is very clear, Pastor, that you're not to listen to accusations against elders. And I, I got to tell you something. Some of these people better walk in the fear of God. And see, that's the problem with everything, okay? That's the, the baseline problem with the American church. There is no fear of God. There is no reverence to the living God. There is no appreciation. If people have got to get on those damnable blogs, and Joe, you need to read your own forum, and you need to basically, brother, take that to God and shut it down. Because when you have a forum that you allow the devil to accuse you and your dad on, you got an issue. People take, I'll get emails now, Pastor Langford. Well, you're just afraid of criticism. Oh, yeah, there's so many much criticism on me that the people who quote the scripture to me, they'll say, you can't take the heat in the kitchen, you ought to get out. Or, blessed are you when all men speak evil of you for my namesake. I'm not mocking the word of God, I'm mocking them and their application. They've never been in the kitchen, they've never stood up for Jesus. They've never won anybody to the Lord. They've never done any, but they have an opinion on everything. There's a whole lot of shaking going on, and it's going to get worse. And so the war that's upon the church, the war that's within the church, and it's only going to get worse. And that's why people don't listen to lies and slander. I, I once said, I think I said this 20 years ago, David, because you used to laugh when I said it, and I used to laugh when I said it. Truth in America is one man lies, another one swears to it, and everybody says, Hallelujah, brother. 
That's true. Yeah, that's true. Go ahead and take it. I, 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 I go throw my cold water in my face so steam doesn't come out of my office. I know we're getting close to the top of the hour. I want to share a few more Bible verses. Uh, Philippians 2, 20, 21. For all seek their own, not the things of Jesus Christ. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. It's not the nature of a man to care for another man unless he has the Holy Spirit in his heart. It's just not his nature. Now, I want to say something tonight. From where this problem stemmed between two gentlemen, here's what I want these two gentlemen to do to me. I don't know the one. I met one once. I want you to send me a letter, COD, of the monies that you've given Joe and Doug to be on their program, and I will give you your money back. It will not cost you a dime. I'll pay the COD. You send it to me, collect on delivery, and you show me a canceled check of the money that you've ever given to be on Joe or Doug's program, and I personally will refund you your money. Did you hear that? Because I know you're listening. So you send me a letter, COD, and you show me a canceled check or money order where you sent the Hagman's money, but you've been on their program numerous times, I will give you your money back personally. Now, I don't say that arrogantly. I say that with, with the greatest of humility. Because I want you to know, I do support the Hagmans and have given them money financially because they have been a blessing to me. I do not use people. I resent people using me because that's what they do when they want you to choose sides. They want to use you. Now, Paul warned Timothy of brethren in the church constantly. He warned of Hymenaeus. He warned of Philetus. John warned of Diotrephes, whom he said he loved to have preeminence among the people in Third John. He wants, he wants to be the big shot, Diotrephes. And he withstood the words of the Apostle John. But concerning Alexander in Second Timothy 4, 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom... Be thou where also, for we have greatly withstood our words. Paul told Timothy, he said, you better be careful of this man called Copper the, Alexander the, the Coppersmith. Now, many people believe Alexander the Coppersmith was associated with the men in Acts chapter 16 uh, that had Paul and, and uh, Silas arrested uh, because this girl was a soothsayer, and they were she making she were making they were making these idol gods and 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 uh, certain things, and so they realized that the Paul caused Paul cast that demon out of her, that they lost their ability there to make money, and so Alexander the coppersmith was obviously making some type of I don't know Ouija boards whatever the, whatever they were making back then, and so when they realized that they had lost their ability uh, to make the money. Uh, they then opposed uh, Paul and, and Silas and had them arrested and, 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 and put in jail. Uh, it's, it's believed that Alexander the coppersmith was one of her masters, and he was making money and, of course, making trinkets or whatever. So Paul warned Timothy, beware of this man, because this man will hurt you. And any time you submit your trust in a public venue to men 
and they betray that trust, it's hard for that trust to be earned back. It's like a marriage. Anytime there's any fidelity, infidelity in the marriage, it's hard for that trust to be restored because the hurt is so deep. The hurt is so grievous. And, 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 and of course, Solomon tells us a man that commits adultery, he has absolutely no wisdom whatsoever, and he bears that the rest of his life. That mark is there. And so we do things sometimes that bring such reproach and shame on us. It's irreparable. You can forgive. It's, it's, I use the analogy all the time of a drunk man. He goes down the road. He's drunk. He has a terrible accident. He loses an eye. He loses his left arm, and he loses his right leg because he went through the guardrails. Well, the man comes to. He's totally maimed. He cries, he weeps, he asks God to forgive him, God forgives him, God saves him. But he's left maimed the rest of his life. Why? That's the wages of sin. You see, Christians don't understand. There are wages when you sin. You pay for your sins. David was forgiven. God forgave David of his murder, of his adultery. But what did he tell him? He said, David, the sword will never leave your house. Why? You didn't repent. I had to indict you. I had to send Nathan to you and give you an analogy about a rich man and a poor man. And you stood up in your self-righteousness and you said, that man will pay fourfold and then we're going to kill that man. And Nathan said, thou art the man. God said, David, the sword will never leave your house. Adonijah Tamar, Absalom, read their lives. A brother killed another brother. Absalom killed Adonijah. And Absalom got his hair caught in the tree, and Joab killed him. I mean, when God says you're going to pay for your sins, God can forgive you. Don't get me wrong. I believe in forgiveness as much as anybody. But I learned early on to keep sowing as much good seed as I could so that when I look behind me, I don't have a bunch of junk, weeds and tares and thorns and thistles. That's not what I want to see behind me. I want to see goodness. I want to see mercy. So that's why I try to treat everybody right now. As I said, I'll preach as hard as anybody. I'll preach right beside the devil with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But I also understand men are to be treated right. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, We are at the top of the hour break. We will be right back with our third and final hour after these short messages as you're listening to Pastor David Langford and Steve Quayle on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hour three's next. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this Wednesday, January 6, 2016 edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our guest tonight, uh, we are joined by Steve Quill from stevequill.com and Pastor David Langford, voiceofevangelism.com. And it's been a fantastic show, uh, very information-filled with sound 
sound doctrine that many of us uh, tend to, uh, not that we ignore sound doctrine, but we tend to uh, go toward our human nature more so than the nature of God as is it as it is natural to us and comfortable. And uh, we have to understand the perils that that can cause uh, and the need for discernment and understanding, which can only be given by the Lord. Uh, I would like to make an announcement that when we open the show, <clears throat> uh, many of you guys know that uh, uh, Renee had an uh, episode this morning that was a potential heart attack, uh, or was thought to be at first. Uh, she was taken to the hospital, tests were run, and the uh, diagnosis is not in except for we know it was not a heart attack. I want to thank everybody out there for their prayers, uh, their emails, their letters of support and concern. And there's so many. Um, it's very humbling. But there, and my dad's not here tonight as he is with her, so they, they're not here to say thank you. But they asked me, and Renee asked me specifically, to thank each and every one of you because um, without your prayers, without your concern, um, I don't know where we'd be. And we are a family. We have our differences, our, our troubles, like any family. But we need to stick together because this is what is important. And when everything's all said and done, all that will be left is each other. And it is so important that we have this fellowship and we remain strong and caring for each other because the world is a, a rough and cold place and it is so warm and nice to know that there are still people out there who care and your prayers uh, have gone so I mean we would not be on the air without the prayers of the people out there and I can't thank you enough so uh, again um, Renee's Okay, she's home, in a little bit of pain. Some more tests have to be run <clears throat> to figure out what's going on. But she did not have a heart attack, thank the Lord. With that, I'll turn it over to you, Steve. Well, thank you. You know, Jesus loves us, this we know, because the Bible tells us so. But people forget that, as David Langford said, God hates the flesh. He absolutely died to make us born again by the Spirit. And when the Lord's, again, I'm going to say this, it's such a critical issue. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up his cross, not deny yourself, or actually it should be indulge yourself and take up your cause. Everybody wants to side with one against another. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. I'll tell you this. Again, I'm going to say this before I read these six things. No, I'll go there first. Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs 6, 16 through 20. These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked imaginations. Feet that swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the laws of thy mother. I want to make it clear 
that probably one of the strongest words in the Old Testament or the New, the abomination, or in our case, the abomination that make it desolate, is a very strong indictment. And Pastor, tonight, uh, you know, I was praying, and thank you, Dave. I actually had to ask David to pray with me, too, and to pray for me, as well as Romy. And, I mean, that's how upset I was, okay? And also Susan York and her entire congregation. Bless all you guys. Because we're talking about life and death. Joe, tonight, David Langford, tonight, the Lord said, Steve, this is the turning point for many. They either go into eternity with me, or they either forsake me and go to hell. Now, that's not saying that David Langford is right, Steve Quayle's right, all these other people are wrong, but that's how serious this is in God's eyes. These six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord amongst the brethren. My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Jesus said, By this shall all men know that ye are mine, that you destroy one another, that you lie, that you steal, that you kill, that you bruise, that you murder, and you're doing all that with your tongue. No. No, he did not say that. He said, by this shall all men know that you're mine. Again, we are at that point that when God says, you either shape up, and, and look, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is at hand. As, as we're on the air tonight, David, just so you know, and this is critical, okay? We've been warning people, and I've been warning people, and you've been with me for 25 years off and on the show, uh, you know, all the things we've done together. But even tonight, Chinese stock markets crashing, uh, you know, the, the world is coming apart at the seams. Uh, one lady pointed out that uh, the entity in the White House was crying out of the uh, side of his eyes where there are no tear ducts, uh, not a shed tear for the people who are murdered in San Bernardino, not a shed tear for the people murdered in Paris, not a shed tear. And you know what's interesting about that? Your tears, ladies and gentlemen, are held up, especially the crying out to God. It's a holy thing before him. But the tears of agony, the tears, there's weeping in hell. Seriously, there's gnashing of teeth in hell. And some of the people that I have had to deal with this week, and, and for the record, I've repented because some of them needed a spanking, and they, they, they really needed it. And, uh, you know, uh, I wasn't able to provide the paddle, but maybe the Lord will. But I have never, and I think, Pastor Langford, this is what you're saying. You've been in ministry for decades, okay? I've been in ministry for decades, not as an official pastor, but, you know, hey, since I got saved, I wanted people to know how amazing Jesus is. I, I wanted people to understand that, that if my sins can be as scarlet, and he'll make me as white as snow, how dare I dig up anybody's past, okay? Now, obviously, people are nasty, but when they uncover another man's sins, their sins get uncovered. When they show no mercy, and when they come across as self-righteous and su uh, superficial, the point is, is that God will expose that. Very soon, very soon, Ananias and Sapphira and the same spirit that caused them to be smitten by the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is going to come into the church. 
all I could think of, Pastor Langford, and I'm turning it right back over to you, was I see pictures of the earth opening up, just as it did in Exodus, and those who withstand, 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 you know, they slaughter the lambs, they slaughter us with their tongues, they, they mock the things of God. I pray on the radio, pour my heart out to Jesus, worship Him, and some, uh, you know, child of hell says, when Steve Quayle prays, uh, you know, I, that's probably one of the most uh, damaging things I've ever taken in my spirit. You know what the Lord spoke to me? He said, Steve, this is not personal now with you. This is personal with me. And he gave me the scripture of Michael mocking David as he danced before the Lord. I've seen that happen in my life, David, literally to the point of God saying, I do a lot, I tolerate a lot, but when people mock my worship, and we're created to worship him, that's when God steps in. And I think it was Romy that gave me a word. She said, basically, Steve, he stepped over the line. God will deal with him. The last time Romy told me that, a very evil man that could have killed my daughter Stephanie, and thank God he didn't, ended up blowing up on the runway. She didn't curse him. She knew that God had stepped in to say enough is enough. Go ahead, Pastor Langford. Steve, uh, what you said is so pertinent. He that soweth discord among the brethren. Um, we must understand, and, and I hate to be this blatant about it, but they're false brethren. Now, you say, that's why do you, why do you want to be so blatant? Well, it's the Word of God. Uh, he, uh, Galatians 2, 4, And because of false brethren, because of false brethren, unawares, brought in, who came in proudly to spare out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem to be somewhat, they seem to be of somewhat significance. Whatsoever they were, Paul said, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person, for they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. All of this that's taking place, I can honestly say, added nothing to me, but rather it took from me. So if it's not being added to, but it's being taken away from, where does that come from? The devil. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Ask yourself the question. Is this what's taking place? Yes. Is the one gentleman espousing false doctrine? Absolutely. It's so unscriptural, it's unbelievable. But I don't know the man, so I have no reason to go hunt him down and beat up on him, because I get emails and video clips and audio clips practically every week. And if I call the names, you'd know every one of them, some of the names, if I call, you would know who they are that sent them to me, and you would know the names of the people they're wanting me to correct. I get it all the time. I mean, every week. You need to correct Doug and Joe. You need to correct Steve Quell. You need to correct uh, Rick Wild. It's just, it's, it's endless. 
uh, I, I'm not a private investigator. I'm a preacher. If God affords me that opportunity, puts that person in my path, I'll deal with it. But God didn't put that person in my path. As I said, I would have went to Dallas in the dark, and that's how I wish I could have went. Because I do not like my mind to be affected by outside voices. See, 1 Corinthians 14.10, Paul said there are, and it may be so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. In other words, every voice you hear is going to play some significance in your life, folks. Sometimes I wish I did commit so much scripture to memory, because it's always pricking my conscience, pricking my conscience, pricking my conscience. Reminding me, that's wrong, why? Well, because thus saith the Lord, that's wrong, why? Thus saith the Lord. It's just on and on and on and on. And, 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 and we have people in the church who need to go back and read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and start living the fundamentals of the Beatitudes and be like Christ. you got a telephone pole in your own eye, and you're trying to get the toothpick out of somebody else's eye. That's why you're blind in one of your eyes. That's why you can't see clearly. Now, this is something in the last six weeks God has indelibly, just indelibly putting in my spirit. Everyone is either going to become a goat or a sheep. God is tired of people trying to play both sides from the middle. You can't work both sides of the street. You will get run over. Matthew 25 and 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all his holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall he gather all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. A lot of people don't understand that this is a sifting time. God allows the devil to do the sifting let me say that again. God allows the devil to do the sifting. Luke twenty two thirty one. Simon Peter, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he might sift you as sweet. You see, we don't understand God like we think we understand God. I don't understand God. I have a little understanding, but there is so much more to understand. My understanding comes from my understanding the Word. And so, God allows the devil to sift us. And if you're sifted, sometimes it can be very, very bad. I want to be purged of anything in my life. And here's where we're at right now. He said, let the wheat and let the tares grow together. The disciples wanted to go and deal with this. Let's, let's look at uh, Matthew 13, verse 24. 
The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. That's Jesus. He sows good seed. But while men slept, his enemy, Satan, came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. You see, the devil does his damage, and then he goes away, and we have to reap now the damage that the devil has done. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. This is the danger. People take it upon themselves to be judge and jury, and sadly, 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 people get hurt. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my garner. Now let me say this. There were people that were coming to Dallas. Some are not coming. One lady wrote me a letter and said, I've bought six tickets for my family. We need deliverance. My heart is broken. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. We need God's touch. Now, anybody that would have come to Dallas, repented, gotten saved, gave their heart to God, got delivered from alcohol, pornography, drugs, whatever, marriage restored, reconciled, and now they don't come because of this matter, who's responsible? I'm telling you, somebody is going to be responsible for this damage. Somebody is going to pay for all of this damage. And I know one man that's not going to pay anything, and that's David Lankford. Because David Lankford is not going to get into the fray and get in the mud and sully my own life and ministry. I'm not going to do it. And you can call me proud and say I'm a compromiser and I don't preach, practice what I preach and I don't stand for truth and da-da-da and da-da-da. Say all you want to say about me. I, I, I really don't uh, care about what you say about me. But I'll tell you one thing. At the end of the day... I will not stand before God Almighty with anybody's blood on my hand because I disseminated information. When the Bible was written, the New Testament was written, the church was a group of people that went from house to house. There was no telephone, there was no internet, uh, there was no radios, there was no satellite. But today we have all of this technology and information can be disseminated in a, in a minute. All over the world, it can be shot around the world. Clamor, discord, evil speaking, malice, contention, strife, envying, backbiting. Well, that couldn't happen back then. 
And so with the blessing of technology, it has compounded exponentially the discord. It's exploded. And And I, uh, I'm sorry. I apologize to to interrupt you in mid-thought, but you mentioned the conference, and uh, Mike, uh, the organizer, uh, is concerned that, you know, people are are thinking that all is lost. Um, My father and I, we made a commitment, and no matter what problems arise, whether a problem like this or any other problem, uh, it's not about any of us. It is about... uh, bringing people together and fellowship of the Lord. And we intend to uh, honor our commitment, not to people, but but to the Lord first. And that the Lord blesses people through our message, through anybody's message who's speaking there. And uh, I just wanted to make that clear that we will be there, not for any person or only because this is something that the Lord is leading us to do. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be preaching Sunday morning. I'll be serving communion. I'll be water baptizing. Hey, you think I'm going to let the devil stop me over discord? No. Now, you see, that's why we have to continue on. As Paul said, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. I don't know what shall yet befall, but I'm I'm going because I too made a commitment and I'm a man of my integrity and there's some people I want to see that I don't get to see very often who live in Texas who want to see me, who want to hug my neck and shake my hand and I want to see them and hug their neck and shake their hand and sit down and break bread with them because it's not about me it's about his church and his body And that's why I do not get involved in this stuff. And that's why I am profusely offended that I get drug in the mud and talked about, and and I hate it more for you and your dad than anybody else. I expect, uh, because I still am a Bible student, I expect to be jumped on about the Word of God. Because, see, I, I, I get the emails, too. You know, uh, about, and they shoot me scripture trying to prove their point. Well, we all can do that, but you gotta take the Word of God and rightly divide it. See, Galatians 6 1, if a man be overtaken in a fall, you which are spiritual restore such as one of the spirit of meekness, considering thyself. Not everybody's qualified to restore because they're not spiritual. Only spiritual people can restore. Only spiritual people can reprove and rebuke and correct. And you do it in meekness when there's an issue like this. But, when you become judge and jury and executioner, you know, had I been in the situation that this person found themselves in, I have enough sense to get up from the dinner table and say, may I be excused? And just walk away and leave it alone. And say, now God, if you got something for me to say to that person, something for me to do, you show me. But I'm not going to go and slander and so, show, so innuendo and clamor against people. You know, um, if, if I fell out with anybody, and I have fallen out with people, and I will go to them in love and say, listen, I love you, but I'm done with you. Because you're damaging me. You're damaging me personally. And because of that, I can no longer be a part of that or let you be a part of my life. That's why the Bible says, and we heard that verse used, know them that labor among you. Sometimes we don't always know those that are among us until they come out with something silly, and we didn't even know that was in them. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So now you know it. 
But as I said, I, I was just totally in the dark because I, I didn't know what was going on. I, I hadn't heard all the the new age rhetoric and jargon. I you know, I, you know, I, I don't even know what Planet X is. If you want me to explain that tonight, I have no idea what it is. I I stay in the Bible ninety nine percent of the time. So a lot of things I don't know, don't care to know, because it's not relevant to my walk with God. I want to be knowing what's relevant to God and His will for my life. And so I preach, I pray two ways about me preaching. There are two things I pray about preaching. Let me preach with the greatest conviction that I can preach with. But let me also preach with the greatest compassion that I can preach with. As Paul said, weeping, serving the Lord with humility of mind, with many tears and temptations. I wonder how much tears have been shed over this issue by those who created it. Any tears? Any brokenness? Any sorrow? Or just email after email, condescending, demeaning, belittling. And yeah, I didn't even know, Steve, that if you typed in capital letters, you were screaming. That shows you how stupid I am with today's technology, this new age generation. Somebody said, quit typing to me in capital letters, you're screaming at me. What an idiot. You can't hear a word. You can read what I'm saying, but you can't hear a word. So why do you want to accuse me of screaming? See, see, that's slander. That in itself is slander. I just type in big letters so I can read. And when you me type too. to me, I'm sorry. Yeah, me too. Yeah, when you type to me, type to me in big letters so I can read it without having to wear glasses. But I would never accuse you of screaming at me, because when you scream at somebody, it's with your voice. It's with your voice, not with a keypad or whatever keyboard. But this is this is the childish. This is the immaturity. Quit screaming. What a baby. What a, go ahead and get your little bottle cuz that's what you're on. You're on the milk. You're not on the meat. If you got the meat, you'd choke to death. And th- this is the nonsense in the body of Christ. I mean, I I I I learn something new every day because of secularism. This is not God. This is not Christ. You know? Uh there are those who accuse Paul. Now watch this, Steve. He said, look how large a letter I have written you. And there are those who said, he wrote in big letters because his eyes were dim. So was Paul screaming? You see, this stuff is so childish, the frivolity. Because he said, I've written to you such a large letter. And, and they're saying he wrote big. Was Paul screaming? This is, this is so childish. This is, just, this is what six and seven year olds do when give me my bat back I'm taking my ball glove and my ball and I'm going home well bye but there'll be somebody that want to come along and play ball with me next week we got we got to stop this nonsense and, and and before I give it back to Steve get off of Joe and Doug's back get off their back you take it upon yourself to do three hours of radio shows five days a week and see how much effort, see how much time it takes to do this. I do two one hours a week and I stay covered up trying to write my newsletters, trying to prepare messages and sermons and studying and still at 61 years of age I try to memorize another Bible verse here and there along the way. This isn't what you think it is folks and I want to say this again anybody can find fault you don't have to do anything to find fault just look any look at your house uh, you know if you go around your home 
husbands, and you're telling your wife 24-7 how filthy, nasty-looking the house is, you're going to have marital strife and problems. Anybody can find fault. But when I see this stuff, it hurts me because, hey, somebody needs to talk to that brother. Somebody needs to help that brother first before you excommunicate him. You, you need to go to him. The Bible said if a man's overtaken in a fault, ye which your spiritual restore him. Did you try to restore him first, or did you just amputate him? What did you do? What did you did you follow the scripture protocol? See, there's so much blame to go around. It's just unbelievable. I mean, I I, I could just sit here tonight, and go through the book of James, and just and, and blast every one of us, every one of us. The book of James would just annihilate every one of us. But we're not here to tear down. We're here to build up. I'm here to preach against sin. I'm here to preach against the wrong. I'm here to preach against the evil. But I'm also here to tell you the remedy. Why do you think I preach repentance so much? Because repentance is the bridge. We all live on one side of the chasm, and God is on the other side of the chasm, the abyss. And there needs to be a bridge to get us from one side to the other. The bridge is repentance. God wants to forgive every man, every woman of their sins. But the only way to get forgiven is you have to repent, and that's the bridge to get you across the abyss to Christ. But getting on your knees and saying, God, I'm sorry, God, I'm wrong. See, that, that's when I get down to pray, boy, I, I, I want my heart to be right with God. And I'll tell you this. This is why I know people aren't praying. I know they're not praying by what they're saying. You see, your words condemn you. You're, you're not talking to God. You're, you're doing this out of your carnality. You're doing this out of your flesh. You're doing this out of your mind. And and, and this is why it's such a, a grave thing. And, and, and God forbid you say, you know, God told me this and God told me that. And God didn't tell you anything. That's what you want people to believe. But I, I'm very careful to, to put my junk on God's back and say, God told me this and God told me that. That's why I try to stray, stay in the Word of God so much. I know the Word's not wrong. I can be wrong, but His Word is not wrong. And so when J, uh, Paul said to, to season your speech with grace and, and let it be salted, then, then that's what we need to do. And, and so a wise man sometimes just says, you know what, I'm going to be quiet and not do anything because I want to hear the whole matter and then... I'll make my mind up as to what's wrong. I see wrong on both parties. That, that's where I stand tonight. I see wrong on both parties. I, I I can't pat either guy on the back and say, either one of you are right. All I can say is, both of you are wrong. Both of you are wrong. That's just the bottom line. Now, you, you, you want to go to God, but here's the problem. When you start all this mess, remember, you're responsible for it. If you start a fight... You're responsible for starting it. I've been married 35 years. There are times my wife says something, and 20 years ago I would have said something back. But old boy here's gotten smart, and I say yes, ma'am. And there's, <laughs> yeah. and there's no, the mo there's yeah, no the most powerful words in marriage, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I mean, you know, that just a soft word turneth away wrath. And, and so, but 20 years ago, old David, this is my nature. Listen. I'm a fighter in nature. I was in a bar one night, and a guy stepped on my foot, and I looked at him. I said, hey, pal, 
when you step on my foot, you say excuse me. He said, I don't say excuse me to nobody. Well, he was in the floor about two seconds later. Because when I was in the world, you step on my foot physically, you're going to apologize to me. That, that That's how crazy I was. But God took that craziness and channeled it into compassion and love and give everybody a chance. Steve, you've heard me say this. Everybody starts off with me at a number 10. I let you cut away at it. And when you get down to about a 5 or a 6, I don't need you no more in my life. You're mundane. But you, I give you I give you the utmost respect. I give you the utmost confidence. I don't want to know about your past because it don't matter to me because I don't want you to know about my past because it's rotten too. So don't, don't talk about my past. Talk about what I'm doing for the Lord. And if I'm wrong, come to me in privacy and say, Hey, David, you need a checkup. I, t- I pray. I say, God, if there's something in my life, send somebody to me. You got people you can speak to. If there's something wrong in my heart, I'm, and I'm concealing evil and I'm being deceived, send somebody to me and say, David, the Lord told me to tell you, you got something wrong in your life. You need to straighten up. I want to be warned. I want to be reproved. I want to be rebuked. I want to be told if I'm wrong. But don't come at me with a hammer. Come to me in love. See, that's how you win a brother. You know, see, we, we, we quit. I pray every day, God Give me souls. He that winneth souls is wise. What about the souls? We're spending all this time about discord. Satan is sitting around and he's laughing, he's mocking, because this has been a distraction created by someone, and now the devil is laughing and said, ha, 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 I got all of you caught up in this big distraction. Look at you now. You're wasting God's money, you're wasting God's time, you're wasting God's energy, none of you are praying, you're shooting emails, you're taking sides, you're doing... And God ain't in any of it. Not in any of it. And yet they'll say, Oh, God told me that this is what I needed to do. Well, I'll tell you one thing, I would to God this much effort that's been spent in this mess will be spent in prayer and repentance and restoration and reconciliation because that's the business God's in. He's the God of restoration. David said, He restoreth my soul. Listen, folks, if we believe we're in the time we, we, we advocate and appropriate that we're in, martial law, gun confiscation, financial collapse, World War III, what in God's name are we doing this stuff for? Hello? If you people believe this is how bad we're in as a nation, as a world, and this is what we're fighting over, hey, so I got rebuked the other day because I sent out an email. When Franklin Graham comes to your state, meet with him at the state capitol and just pray with him on the steps. I can agree with a man in prayer. He's a Baptist. I'm a Pentecostal. If he wants to talk to Jesus Christ and pray for this nation, I'll stand with him. Now, I may disagree with him on the Holy Ghost. But if he wants to pray, I'll pray with him. I got people criticizing me for that. Over prayer. Mm-hmm. Now, this is how crazy it is. So it just shows you how carnally minded people are. They're not walking in the Holy Ghost. And if I can just say this. Yeah, I'm done. Um, as crazy as all this is, and you're right on the money, this is just the beginning. We have no idea how much worse it will get, especially if we continue in this current path. Biting and devouring one another, Paul said. Go ahead, Steve. 
Well, I want to, you know, I, I posted over the years since, and I want to make this clear, I've never declared myself a prophet. I am not a prophet. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The Bible says you may all prophesy. That's not the same thing as the office of a prophet. I want to read a prophecy given to me, April 13, 1997. And this is pretty amazing, because I remember when these things are going out, I got a call, from, or got a call, I got an email, David, from the most self-righteous, egotistical guy going, if you want to hear a real man of God, give me a call, and I'll tell you what it's all about. <laughs> and my attitude to that is, well, I'm just a sinner, brother, you're a real man of God, you don't need to talk to me, because you obviously, and then I got a rabbi that took me to task, and, you know, basically same thing, oh, I thank God I'm not like you. Guess what I said? Oh, me too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> prophecy. Yeah, you know, and and boy, did the Holy Ghost set a checker to my fingers. Okay, the ones that would have typed. Thus saith the Lord God of heaven: Very soon, everything you have been accustomed to will change. Nothing will be as it was. The very foundations of your nation have been destroyed. Leaders from other lands conspire. They divide up the spoil. They are set to move against you, and by the surrender of the ungodly and profane leaders of your land, they have been given the green light to proceed. My people, do you not see the obvious? Now think about when this was given, 18 years ago. Foreign armies are within your borders. They have an alliance formed against you. They arm with cunning treachery the rebellious. Those who hate me love death. They embrace death. They have made wickedness their mistress. My people, do not allow the evil one to paralyze you with fear, indifference, or apathy. Arise, seek me with all your hearts. Now, how about this, David? Eighteen years ago, quit gossiping. Why does each one run to his neighbor saying, what do you think? Trying to find counsel at the hand of man? Come into my presence in total surrender and dependence. Seek me with all your heart and mind. Surrender your thoughts and entire being to me. Then will you be equipped and empowered by my Holy Spirit's anointing and be able to deal with the great peril that now comes even upon you. By the way, this is the prophecy April 1997 on the prophetic words on my website. Here you go, Pastor Langford. You feast while you should be fasting. You ignore the signs of the times that have made you aware through my word that should be prompting you to prepare. You assume when instead you should be crying out to me for my revelation, direction, deliverance. What answer will you give to those who are dead in their trespasses of sin as the weather becomes more erratic, when the harvests are cut off, when the waters turn to blood, which has happened a lot, and are spoiled, when your cities are inflamed and destroyed from within and without? Have you not seen... Do you not hear of the thousands or even now sick and dying of diseases that, according to man, were no longer a problem? My children, the Russians and Chinese, have already come to your land. They have made an agreement to divide the land amongst themselves and send you into captivity. What was the word, Pastor Langford, that God gave you? The two words. Amen. Been in bondage, you know? going into captivity. Yep. Been in bondage, going into captivity. Woe unto you, America, for you have shaken your fists at heaven, declaring me, the Lord God of heaven, to be of no consequence. Woe unto you, America, for great is your pride and wickedness, but yet will I bring you down. For those who would say, but God would never judge America, look at all the good she's done. Do you know the word of the living God? If the wicked 
turn from their wickedness, I will remember their transgressions no more. But if a righteous turn from their righteous way, they shall not be remembered as a righteous person or land. I, how's this? This is a God word. I deal with what is, not once what once was. I'll say that again. I deal with what, what is and not what once was. Where will you stand, my people? When will you arise and go forth in the fullness and power of my anointing? Prepare, 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 for battle even now rages. There's no safety for you by hiding the shadows of denial. You are the children of the living God, armed with the precious and powerful blood of Jesus. It's one thing to sing about the devil being under your feet. It's quite another to tread on serpents and scorpions and truly crush the power of the evil one through your faith in my blood. Go forth, go forth. I want to make the most powerful system or statement I can make. God, there are a lot of people out on the Internet who will sing, well, God said this, God said that. They'll allow God to speak through them to others, but they will not allow the very words that they have in dreams or visions to speak to them. And again, this has nothing to do with uh, uh, forgiving. You know, I understand that I'm forgiven to the extent I'm forgiven or that I forgive others. I also understand that I don't compare myself to David Langford. I wish I had the scriptural knowledge you do, David, and I wish I weren't as, uh, uh, how do I say this, as dealing with all my issues that you've already dealt with. But it's wrong to compare myself to any man. It's wrong for anybody to say, gee, I wish I was you. My answer to anybody who ever said that to me is, no, you don't. No, no, you don't. I'll pray for you. No, you don't. So what do we compare ourselves with? I like what Paul Hagstrom said. When he was the most troubled in his life, he said, God, what's a perfect man? What do you expect? And God answered him in a time of prayer, fasting, brokenness, and turmoil. Jesus is the perfect man, and I expect you to be conformed to his image. i got a long way to go. Going back to the words that were given to me, Unfortunately, I've lost some of them, but one of the things that I would say is this. When people call me and say, ah, they all sound alike, they would really complain and moan about Jeremiah. I'm no Jeremiah, I'm no Ezekiel, I'm nobody but just a guy basically saying, Jesus saved my sinful, wicked soul, and I love him, and he's been a better friend. Yes, he's my Lord, yes, he's my Savior, he's a King of glory, and I worship at his feet and give praise to God the Father. But he calls me his friend, and can I tell you something? That's the thing that blows my mind about the goodness of God, and it's God's goodness that has led me to repentance. Please, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who think you're beyond the grace of God, you're not. Come home to Jesus tonight. Those of you who think you've done the unpardonable sin, if you're worried about it, you haven't. I know what it's like to be convicted of blasphemy, and and even after being a new Christian, the devil is going about seeking whom he may devour. Let me tell you something. There are some dreams and visions floating around there, and uh, the gentleman that had them and his wife, they're, they're, they're reading into their dreams and visions what they want. They don't see what God is trying to say to them. I no longer, excuse me, no sooner said that, David, than I got a call from Sheila, and she talked to a man of God, Sheila Zelensky. And she didn't know what you and I knew, or did she know, you know, an interpretation to a dream and vision that God gave you. And this other party said, I see what's going on. This is why I can never minister with this individual. So there's four now, 
and and see this is the bad thing when the bridges go down when you burn the bridges you can't complain that the destination that god had intended for you is no longer open to you and so what i want to admonish everybody is this we're to forgive but even in scripture how can two walk together except they be agreed i want to leave this and then joe i'll turn it over to you and i'm done in any fight i want to know where jesus is and any person proclaiming to know Jesus, I want to know how they came to know him. I won't accept I got saved as a kid. Really? You don't know the, the tattered, broken lives and lies that have been told to me by people who make that claim. I would gladly embrace the sinner. Now, I'm going to say one more thing. Joe, you made a statement. You made a commitment. David, I know you so well that, and I say this, to the praise of God's glory, you mean what you say and say what you mean. There's much more, uh, what's the word I want, acts going to be laid to the root before Dallas takes place. That's not, and Mike, relax, that's not a curse. It's a realization. I said that to you in the uh, emails that I've emailed you back and forth. I also intend, because I don't know Ted, I never talked to him. I think we've emailed a couple times. I intend to talk to him. In no way do I encourage any Christian minister or radio personality to use New Age terms. The people of God don't have the context to understand, and everybody goes, everybody seeks his own. That's what you said tonight, David. And what I see in this is everybody standing their ground, and very few of the parties that initiated this getting on their faces before the Lord. I will not have anything to do, and I'm going to say this, with any conferences that I'm told, well, we really want to have you. The reason Whitestone was a success is because we sought God and everybody walked together in agreement. And those of you who were there that saw the 100-plus people get water baptized, that was a God thing. David Langford's never seen that in his life happen, nor have I. And that's because God was in it. I can tell you this, whether that applies to this or not, my advice to everyone is to chill, give it to God, release it. But don't expect damaged lives to ever come back and make you the same uh, platform you once had. So don't send me emails saying, I need to forgive this guy or I need to forgive that guy. I've already done that, but I don't need to submit myself to any duplicity or the very things that they haven't dealt with over the years. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Please spare me your diatribes. I hope by the grace of God people have been informed tonight. David, thank you so much for the word of God. I got ministered to tonight. I had church. Those of you who have heard my plea, stand with Joe and Doug. And if it's your church and you've been blessed and they're doing the best they can, then and, and with what is God given to them, they're the most generous guys on talk radio. And I stand with David's statement. You know, you have no right to contact me or him if you've never supported them. And how dare you take up all these offenses to profane the name of Jesus. The last scripture I'll give is the Bible says this, My name is blasphemed, God speaking, through you amongst the Gentiles. Is that not the scripture, Pastor? Amen. Glad so Yep, it's sad, but it's true. Well, ladies and gentlemen, God bless you. Again, keep your eyes on Jesus. 
every one of us is going to stumble. If you keep your eyes on a man, he stumbles, you stumble. You keep your eyes on Jesus, he may stumble, but you don't have to hit the same rock that causes you to stumble. Good night, Joe. Thank you. And Doug, I love you, man. Uh, Renee, blessings to you in the name of Jesus. And may all of you who have been guilty of Facebook gossip get down on your faces. And somebody says, how dare you say that? I dare to say that. David, good night. Good night, Doug. Steve, thank you. You have a great evening. Joe, thank you for allowing us to just share the Word of God tonight. And let me encourage people. uh, I've I've always, January's our time, my wife and I are praying fasting. I encourage you to join with us. Fasting will humble you and will rid you of your pride and get you where you need to be with God and allow your spiritual men to excel. So, Joe, I'm going to leave it with you. We love you guys. We're praying for Renee and your dad. And I just ask people to do the same thing. And again, people don't get on these two men because they don't claim to be preachers or pastors. They're Christian businessmen. They don't know what I know. I don't know what they know in their profession before God gave them this platform. So they that compare themselves or they that measure themselves among themselves are not wise. Second Corinthians 10:12. None of us are an instrument to measure anybody or anything by. The Word of God is what we measure our lives by, and we measure it with a balanced way in the Scriptures. You take all the Bible. Right, Paul said, rightly divide the Scriptures. So if you, you use this verse to say this, the other verse over there may counter that because it's out of the wrong context. So be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself in the Word of God. If you have erred, admit it. Jesus told the Pharisees, you do err, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. So Doug, I mean, excuse me, Joe, thank you, and we're praying for you and your wife as well. I'll call you tomorrow afternoon. And people, if you'll just spend the amount of time in prayer that you're spending in this other stuff, everything will always look different when you get it from your knees. I promise you, when you get it from your knees, everything will look entirely different because God sees everything from a different point of view. He sees the end from the beginning. God bless you. We love you guys. Thank you for your prayers and your support. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Doug. God bless you, Renee. I know my wife called Renee earlier tonight and prayed with her. This is what it's going to take, folks. Pray one for another. Pray one for another, and that will really help the matter. Thank you, Joe. God bless and have a great evening. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, God bless you, and, and we love you and your wife and all the uh, wonderful lessons and teachings that you've been able to share with us. You have a great night. Okay. Good night. Bye-bye. That was Steve Quayle from SteveQuayle.com and Pastor <laughs> Pastor David Langford. Uh, sitting in this chair, I usually sit on the other side. I keep wanting to turn, to turn this way, so I feel like a, like a, I don't know. I'm out of my comfort zone sitting in this chair, which this was originally my side, my chair. So it's kind of weird and stupid at the same time. But uh, I don't know. I thought that was funny. Um, that was a fantastic show tonight, and uh, again, Pastor David Langford always very on point with his scriptural messages and we need to take his advice especially what he said at the end 
we need to take the time to pray. And I'll be the first to admit, I am lacking probably more than anybody in this area. Uh, yeah, I pray, and I'll talk to God, but I don't have a, a, a regimen. I don't have... It's not discipline. It could be uh, days without a saying a prayer, or, uh, you know, maybe one day I say four or five. The point of this is, the Lord tells us to pray. The Lord tells us to be diligent and not do anything halfway. As we so often say, uh, and quote from the Bible, the indifference is what the Lord hates. He would rather you be hot or cold. He would rather you love Him or hate Him with all your heart than to ignore Him or not care. And through our own human nature, um, and especially now as the world continues to get more complicated, time seems to be becoming shorter, uh, less time to do things in the day, uh, whatever it is, there's no excuse. I know there's none for me. Uh, I need to buckle down, and I'm sure many of us do, and it's not with just prayer, but our whole spiritual walk with the Lord. I mean, just like anything else in life, you get out of it what you put into it. And if we're expecting miracles and understanding and discernment from the Lord, yet we, and especially me, are not doing what we're told to do, are not keeping that relationship, then how can we even expect for the things we pray for um, it just it doesn't make sense and it is, it's a disservice to the Lord um, but at the same time we can't discourage people because everybody is at a different stage of their faith and sometimes one prayer is enough because it's better than none so I didn't, I didn't say that to bring that to anybody's attention but my own and hopefully some people out there uh, will benefit from it. But again, thank each and every one of you for your, your prayers, uh, your concern uh, for Renee and my father. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Paul McGuire will be the guest. And until then, stay safe. God bless. Any important updates will be on the website. Otherwise, we will be back at 7.